Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. All right, welcome back to Getting Past the Premium, everybody. I'm back with Brett Young, my man. How you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Good to see you. Well, we've already basically had a podcast episode. We've been talking for like 30 minutes and realized we should probably start recording, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always good to see you though, brother. So um too, man. Well, you guys got a lot of lot of cool stuff going on. I know that's what we were just just talking about. And so I was kind of thinking we would jump into, you know, we're at the end of the year here. It's December 5th, 2023. I know that we're all looking at 2024 and beyond, you know, in our strategic planning and what are we going to be focusing on? What's next year going to look like? What do we want to be intentional about? And so I thought that'd be a good kind of topic of conversation because I know you guys have a lot of that dialed in. And one of the things, though, that that I'd, I'd love to throw out there, I, I we use an hour methodology or whatever you want to call it. But I think it's important for everybody to think about when you're doing strategic planning, everybody always wants to predict the future, right? Like what's next year going to look like and where's everything going to be at in the next two, three, four years? And I think that's the wrong perspective. And and we were turned on to this uh, over the last few years. But instead of saying and trying to predict what's the next couple of years going to look like, mm-hmm. you want to say, what do I want to create in the next couple of years? Mm-hmm. What do I want to be intentional about building? You want to create the future, not try to predict the future, right? Uh, and that's what your strategic planning that. should should be around. Um, and it does shift that. your perspective, right? Because you want to get very intentional about what you're building. So Maybe talk high level about, you know, your guys, what you're doing right now from a strategic planning perspective, uh, and then kind of how that goes into execution next year. Well, I think that's profound because I think when you start talking about the future, I think our minds just automatically want to go to what are the boogeymen out there that are going to, you know, that we need to avoid or how do I become smarter than the next person? You know, how do I predict and get ahead of what's coming versus my competitors and um, I think that is a trap. I think that's, right. I think that's a, a really cool nugget. I'll borrow from that. You know, strategic planning for us is something that we do every single year. I actually enjoy it. I love it. I think if you're an achiever and you're looking, I think achievers look to the future versus the past. Right. Um, you can learn from the past, but I think an important mentor in my life told me that you can always tell if you're around the right people because they're talking about the future instead of the past. Oh. If you're around yeah, people that aren't necessarily moving and shaking and aren't as impactful in your life. Usually they're talking about what's already occurred. Um, When you're around the right type of group, they're always talking about what's next because they're excited about the future. And I think that's just a cool backdrop, I guess, to strategic planning to say, man, if strategic planning doesn't excite you, I think maybe you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or there may be an opportunity to have a mindset shift and a change in mental conversation because you're, you're really getting to create whatever you want. You're getting to paint, which is super, super fun. Instead of just, oh, well, I'll end up wherever I end up, or it'll depend on how good of a year it is, is depending on how where I end up. And it's like, hey, no, 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 we're going to set the intention of where we're going to be, and then we're going to go after it, right? It's not yeah. the inverse. Like, I'm not subject to what happens to me in life. I'm, I'm, I, it's happening for me, and I'm just getting to navigate it. So I think that's a belief and a mindset shift in the beginning. Um, so I, that's why I just really like it. I feel like it's the one time a year that we get to get really intentional of like, hey, if we won this year, what would that look like? 
yeah. you know, asking the question. Yeah. Because how many times have you gotten, I don't know about you, but I, if you've gotten a month or a quarter or a year, it's like, did we win? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, what does this look like? Because usually even if you win, it's not without pain. It's not <laughs> without challenge. <laughs> It's not without frustration. And sometimes the more you win, the more frustrating it is, right? So it's like, if you don't define what winning is for you, if you don't define where you, you know, what the objective is, the worst case scenario is you may end up there and not (laughs) recognize that you won. And that's a defeating process. That's not a fulfilling, that's not an empowering place to be. That's a, that's a, you know, that's where you get burnout. That's where you get, you know, defeat. That's just yep. a, not a good place to be. So I, I, I like it. What we did is we started off the year this year, which I actually have it in front of me. I have everybody's um, reports. But um, what I did was I asked our team, our executive team, which was Rod Taylor and me and Jessica LaPlante to here's what the vision is. So in two, we have a vision for 2027 for every department to be led by a non-founder and to be the leading non-national independent agency here in Florida. And we have objectified that by a specific premium number. And so what, what I did was I asked everybody, including myself, to go home and I gave basically that vision of what that is. That's our collective decision on that. That was maybe four years ago. And what would have to happen in order to accomplish that. If we are going to accomplish this by this date, by 2027, with your specific department, with your specific duties that you are charged with leading, what are the things that have to happen in that time frame in order for us to accomplish that? And then number one was the importance of those. And then number two was the urgency of those. Mm-hmm. And so everybody went and kind of did a think tank of like, what does this look like? And it was one to two pages from every person. And then we came into a room for five hours. And so the rules were you, nobody is allowed to just get up here and report on what they're talking about without people asking a lot of questions, almost Mm -hmm. to the point where it should frustrate you, like challenging you, challenging questions. Um, And so for five hours, everybody got up and reported on what they believed. And we ranked all these different things of importance and urgency. And then everybody just started to fire a lot of questions and challenge people. Well, yeah, but is that really the most important? Because you just said this and, hey, don't you think this? What about this? And you had to rationally explain and rationally make an argument for why these things are important and why they're urgent and what order they need to be and and prioritize them. And man, it was magical. It was magical. Yeah, it was awesome. just radical candor, high level debate, you know, ethical frustration. It was really good. And not one person left the room with the same list that they walked in yes. with, which, which was is a good sign, which is really cool. Yeah. Which is really cool collaboration. So anyway, so that's how we started the year. Um, and we don't do that every year. But this year was one of those big years where we said, okay, we got to come back to the deal. And then after that was done, then we actually did strategic planning for the year. Yep. Then we did 2024 and everybody did a one page, hey, take what you left with. Let's take the urgency first. 
important second because urgency was what needs to happen immediately and put together a plan for what we're going to do this year by department. And then that was the one, that's basically the one page that I keep with me every day to say, Hey, are we on pace here? Like, are we doing what we said we were going to do? You know, uh, which is really cool. So that's kind of how we kicked it off, which has been kind of a, a, a different way that we don't always do, but I think it was cool to go big picture and then yeah. kind of rein it back in. I think totally agree with that. Uh, we do the same thing. It's important. I think a lot of people get stuck in that next year kind of methodology. And I think looking at the longer term picture, thinking big, thinking what could we create in the future, readjust your thinking for next year, right? And if anybody, I just got done reading the book, uh, 10X is Easier Than 2X. Yeah, great book. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people reading recently. But yeah, that's exactly what it teaches you is like, it's actually when you can think bigger and you can see a bigger vision, it's easier than just looking at next year and going, okay, let's grow by 10% or 20%. Sure. Uh, When you start to go, what if I had to grow? What if I had to, you know, well, we did the exercise and it was right around 2020. We did, what if we 10X the firm in 10 years? Mm. So get 10 times our size by 2030. So that's our BHAG goal. That's awesome. But you start to think of it, holy shit, that's not even possible, right? Like, there's no way. But if you actually like start to break that down and you went, well, what if we did this by this time? Okay, well, then what if we change that to this? And you start to think like, it's not out of reach. It's it's doable. You know, like it's hard. It's unlikely, but it's doable. But it it forces your mind to think that way. So I think number one, what you said there is putting out a, a longer term Goal and vision is the first 100% step. So we call it a vivid vision. So we have that big goal out there. This year, we did just extend it to 2030 is our planning. And then we actually wrote kind of what you guys did individually, but we said, what does that success look like? And what we call a vivid vision. So more than just the goal with the numbers, it's like, who are we? And what are we doing for clients? And what does that client success look like? So it's written as a story that kind of talks about us, right? And who we are what we're doing for clients at that point. And then we did exactly what you did. Okay, now what has to happen to look like that firm at that point in time? I love that because you're giving clarity almost to like, hey, let's let's make sure like, what's our value prop? Who are we? You're basically, you're making sure that the lens is clear. Before right. we start grabbing goals and planning and we start throwing money at things, we start making big moves. Like, let's just make sure that we've we've cleaned the lens. So we're looking, we're all looking out of the same porthole. Yes. Which I think is super important. I agree 100%. One of the things we only got good at this, probably, I would say, really good in the last like six months, where you can't be everything to everybody. And it's such a trap in our industry, right? Because we we sell a product that everybody's got to buy. And it's it's easy to want to be like, well, I don't want to let this one go. You know, it's bird in the hand kind of thing. And so we we have division with multiple divisions, you know, we have a lot of different things moving. And the one of the things that I'd say we got really laser focused on over the last six months going into next year is like, who are we going to serve? Who are we going to be? To who, by who, all of those things. And so part of that was getting laser focused on who's our ideal client, you know, who are we trying to serve? Because that that is where you can then start to allocate resources effectively and figure out the type of people you need to hire and the type of model you need and the technology. And it's so difficult when you're trying to be everything to everybody, which we still, you know, have many different types of clients and all. It's not like we're like we're firing a bunch of clients or anything, but moving forward, we're really getting that laser focus, which has been very helpful from a planning perspective. Yeah. And I think most people in our in our industry don't do that enough, you know. 
segmenting that down as small as you can, you know, niches, whatever you want to call it, but much as you can to be successful is such you usually a- have to slow down. Usually in order to do that effectively, you yes. have to, you have to slow down. Like the, the first step to, if you're, <laughs> it's the best way to articulate this. The best way to fill in a hole is to stop digging. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like yep. if you know step. that you, we gotta, we gotta fix this hole. It's like, okay, well, before we start figuring out what dirt we're going to put in, like you got to stop digging and in our business digging is putting commissions on the books right like hey we're we're, you know we're we're growing we're putting commissions on the book we're putting pulses the book we're gaining customers it's like yeah but this is a problem we see this is a problem it's a capacity issue it's a servicing issue it's a technology issue it's a uh, efficiency issue right like but we're trying to fix the problem while we continue to do it because we don't want to stop until we've got the solution and it's like no you have to like stop because if you don't stop then there's no urgency to fill in it, its place with something that's, you know, uh, more ideal to your goals. And I mean, this has happened to us a lot of times where it's like, yeah, we know it's a problem. Yeah, we know it's a problem. But it's like, you didn't have enough courage to stop digging. So therefore, you never really corrected the problem. Yep. And the only time we've ever really done it is if we have stopped the bleed and sat in the pain for a long enough period of time and then gone, okay, cool. This sucks. Like, this doesn't feel good. Now, we got to fix this right now. We have urgency. So now the extra time that was spending digging, we're now spending the time trying to figure out what's the right dirt to put back in the hole. But I think I, I, we're guilty of it a hundred times of, of just continuing to dig and think that one day the opportunity to fix this will just show up. And when that shows up, then we'll stop it. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't work that way. No, hundred percent agree. And it is a very difficult thing to do because you got to start to say no and and understand who you're – but but it's also a very rewarding thing because the people you start to say yes to, you're able to provide so much more value to and sure. show the right model to and all of the stuff because that's who you're focused on. You're not trying to do everything just to make a quick buck or whatever, and then you're, yep. you know, you're giving half the value prop to every person because you just can't can't deliver on what you're promising. And so – it's yeah. been again. We're we're. I would say we just kind of got got pretty good at that. Uh, and moving into next year, we're we're kind of segmenting it down even more, which is uh going to be really good because we're going to be able to just continue to dial in that value proposition for that specific client. That's cool. So that's that's the first thing. And then I want to I want to hit on uh, dial in on something you mentioned too because I can't remember the words you said, but but you'll bring it up. But basically, what does success look like? Right, you're asking yourself that question. That's how I like to frame it too. There's a couple different questions that I love to ask when it comes to strategic planning. So put yourself out in that time frame. You mentioned 2027. So basically the way you said it, like if we're sitting here in 2027, right at the end of the year, and we're looking back on where we're at, what has to happen for us to say we achieve success? That is a huge, that question right there. I don't want to miss that. That is one of the highest level questions you can ever ask. I totally agree. You didn't say, you know, you you didn't say, is it possible? You didn't say, can we do it? You said, what has to happen in order to do that? And what that does is it stretches your mind to go. It doesn't. It's 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 a presupposition of it's absolutely possible. It's just a matter of what needs to occur. Bingo. Right. And so you're not even giving yourself the opportunity to debate, is this the right goal? Is this the right thing? Is this possible? Do we have enough time? You know, what's the resources look like? You didn't even ask that. You just said, if just not 
not that you're going to do it. You're just asking if we were going to, It's it, you lower the guard, if we were going to go down this road, what would have to be in place? Yep. And now you're in the creative mode of your brain. Now you're, now you're, your mind's going, number one, I'm not linked. I'm not, I didn't commit to it because I said what would have to happen. Right. And I'm, and I'm in pure creation mode of like just coming up with good ideas. And you'll do imagine if you say that's a closing question from a client perspective, yeah. you can use it in any setting. It's the most powerful question for a team member, for a client, um, uh, uh, for resolving conflict with your wife or strategic planning <laughs> yeah. for your business, man. Like, I don't want to yeah. gloss over that because that's a huge, it's, it's just a nugget, huge nugget. I, hundred percent agree. And you're right. It can apply in almost every circumstance. You're right. Right. That, that you could be in. And but Honey, it, what would have to happen for you not to yell at me tonight? Yeah. You know? <laughs> at the end of this argument, what does success look like? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, it's so true. But, but you know, it does, you're right. It, it puts you in that. I like to, I like how you said the creative part of your brain, because it does. Now your brain is starting to think about solutions and starting to think about solving this, I don't want to say problem, but solving this vision that you're trying to achieve and getting there versus getting bogged down in the holy crap, that's a big goal. Like there's no way. One and of the so- other framings that I like to do, I'm going to jump you, but I think yeah. this is helpful. Is like one of the other framings I think to myself is whenever I approach something where I don't think it's possible or my limiting doubts start to creep in, I, I ask the question, can somebody else in the world accomplish this? And inherently, the answer is always yes, right? And so if somebody else can accomplish this, well, what would they do? If you were them and they were going to accomplish this, what would be the things that would need to happen? So it's like taking that step another further. It's like, well, I can't even see what we could do. It's like, okay, well, then take yourself out of the equation completely. If there's somebody who has the skills, resources, training, expertise, and ability to get this done, what would they have to do in order to achieve this outcome? And for me, it helps like kind of wash the, the, I don't know, the, 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 the limiting belief away to say, okay, I don't even have to step into me doing it. I just have to step into like objectifying, like what would this person do? And then it's like, okay, okay. Now I can see where this is. And now you start, I can, now I can move into that instead of being like, well, I'm good enough to get anything done. It's like, well, sometimes I don't feel like that. Sometimes I feel like these big audacious goals are crazy. Yeah. But if I put somebody else in the position of, if it was somebody else doing it, it's easy for me to be an, what is it? A, uh, uh, a backseat driver or yeah. armchair yeah. quarterback yeah. or whatever it is. Like I could tell everybody else what they would need to do. You know, that's easy. Yeah. But sometimes when we're the ones that have to do it, we crush the creative process without even starting because we know at the end of the day, whatever we come up with, we may, we're going to have to be accountable for it. Oh, you yeah. know, and it's like, there's a time to be creative and then there's a time to commit. And just because you're in creative mode doesn't mean you necessarily have to commit to it. You might not be willing to do that. Right. But yep. in the creative mode, you're just asking what would have to happen. That's a completely different conversation than what are you willing to do? Ah, it's spot on. And I think like, there's a level two, especially as leaders, that if you're comfortable, that's that can be a problem in and of itself, right? Like if you're if you're just sitting back because you you figured it all out with the size you are and where you're at, that you're you're comfortable, you're not feeling that stress of like, I don't know if we if we've got the right expertise to do this, or you're you're not in that position, then you might not be be pushing as hard as you should. And I, I think it was Alex Marmosi or or somebody that I saw say something like, like always remember 
that even the the biggest leaders of the biggest firms and whatever have no idea what they're actually doing. Right. And I was like, you know, and I'm sure he, he's making the statement basically saying it's okay. We all feel like we don't know what we're doing at times, right? Yeah, but that's you great. gotta figure it out. You trust in in who you are, what you've done, how you're gonna get there. But I think about that a lot, like, man, the next stage of what we've got to go do, like, I don't necessarily know exactly how to do it yet, but sure. we're going to figure it out. We're going to have the right yeah. people in place. We're going to go find the right people. We're going to find the right uh, you know, technology process, whatever we need to do in order to go do that. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of days that I feel like I don't have a freaking clue. And that's where it's yeah. similar or it's it's good uh, analogy or whatever you want to use there framing that you put into it of like, well, somebody has done this right. and if they can do it, why can't I do it? You know, and what would they do? What would they, how would they look at this differently to get to where we want to go? Yeah. Perfect example of that, like strategic planning for us, a lot of times it's okay. How many producers do you need? Or how many yeah. service teams do you need? Right. That's probably the most relatable to our business. And there's a big difference between saying we need to, we need to attract six new producers this year. Right. Well, you might say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, that doesn't negate what it re- what is required. Correct. Right. Correct. What has to happen? Well, we need to hire six producing producers producing at this level. Right. Then you can worry about how to do that after the fact. Yes. But for me, strategic planning is like if you knew the answer, what would it be? Right. Like if you knew how to do everything that was needed in order to do this, what is required in order to do that? It's a much more mathematical, uh, quantitative approach to strategic planning than it is. Well, uh, you know, and then then you after you have those bullet points of mapped out of what has to happen, then you can worry about the how to's. Then you can worry about the, hey, I need to go find resources on recruiting producers. You know, I need to figure out how to do this. I'm just using that as one example. But I think. A lot of times where I've been stuck in strategic planning is I fail to even come up with the things that need to happen because I'm already prejudging my ability to be able to get it done. Yeah. And I think there's a time and place for that. And strategic planning, specifically with a bunch of people that you trust, I think is really powerful because your own preju- your own prejudice doesn't get in the way of what has to happen. Ah. 100% agree. And I don't want to lose sight of something you said in there too, that like that how to gets in the way, I think of so many people's uh, execution on achieving those goals. We just had this uh, with our team and I don't remember what the exact circumstance was, right? Tell everybody we use an OKR methodology. So objectives and key results. It's a very simple mm-hmm. methodology to that's the execution side of it, right? So we've set our goals. Now the how is we got to set up objectives, your milestones, and the key results, the waypoints to get there. Is that traction? Is that uh, traction? No, uh, no, it's similar though, very similar okay. to traction. Um, cool. And it's just the so traction calls them rocks, and got it. Uh, I don't remember yeah, what the quarterly rocks, yeah, yeah, leading up to to the rocks, but very similar methodology. Um, but where I we were just having this conversation, there was one we were setting out that was like, well, we don't know how to do something. And I'm like, well, great. That's your first objective. Go learn how to go. do it and then go do it. You know, it's like in that producer recruitment uh, example, it's like, well, you know, if you don't know how to, to recruit producers, the first thing you're going to have to do is learn how to recruit producers. So yeah. like you said, go find the resources, do, but, but give yourself the time, put that as part of your right. strategic planning to say, right. I'm going to spend 90 days first quarter of the year and I'm going to go talk to everybody that's really good at 
recruiting producers. I'm going to find some resources. I'm going to do all this, have that all laid out, you know, contact six other agency owners that recruit producers really well. Yeah. And go discuss that with them and learn. And then you're going to be able to build out those next steps that are going to have to happen in order to go do that. But again, your goal doesn't change. If you're going to hit your 2027 goal or your future goal, you got to recruit six producers this year. Right. That's and awesome. Like, that that often stops people because it's a mental block. Well, how am I right. into that? I don't know how to. That right. becomes part of your strategic plan. Right? 100%. Yeah. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Well, and I'll, I'll share you with this. This has been something that we've used, and now we're teaching our operators to operate with this same framework. You have partners. I have partners. I think there's a just a huge advantage for strategic planning when you have partners because there's a level of accountability and there's a level of transparency uh, that you, you have a hard time if it's just you. Yes. And um, which I think is really powerful. I think it's one of the things I'm super grateful for for Urban Young. So what we do every year, without fail, we've done it for over a decade, is we have three areas of the business that we feel are the three major components or cycles of our business. And depending on where we're at and depending on the year, we rank these three things. And depending on the prioritization of these three things will dictate what the actual strategic plan is for the year. So let me give you an example. It's one thing to say, what do you want to do this year? Okay, boom, here's what you want to do. Okay. It's another thing to say, well, what's important to you this year, Mm. right? If we start with a vision of, okay, here's where we want to be in five years. Okay, perfect. Now we know what the objective is, but then we got to come back to this year and say, okay, cool. We're not going to get it all done the first year, right? But we also do need to know what season we're in, okay? Because there's a lot of dynamics. What's helped us is the three of us look at each other and figure out what season we're in. And based on these prioritizations, then once we've narrowed down what the top one is, then we build our entire strategic plan around that one thing, because yeah. we've said collectively that it's the most important thing. So let me give you what those three things are that might be helpful for somebody. So infrastructure is first. Infrastructure being yeah, people. Say elaborate. Yep. It might be technology. Um, it might be more office space. It's just the container to dump more revenue in is the infrastructure. So it's a build of infrastructure. Basically, we have to lay the roads before we can drive on them. Yeah. So that's number one, which, by the way, that usually takes a lot of investment, right? <laughs> yeah. So infra- infrastructure is one. Then the second one is cash reserves, right? There are certain seasons where you need to either A, replenish cash reserves because you've depleted them, or you need to ration above the normal because you may want to go on offense later on, or you may be preparing for something, or 
You may be trying to be buy a building or there's some strategic initiatives that are going to require you to have a higher stockpile of cash. So that's two. Oh, by the way, one and two are in direct contradiction with each other, by the mm-hmm. way. This is why this is these are why these are important. Yep. Right. And then the third is owner's comp. Um, you know, leaders eat last. And the fact of the matter is, if you're an operator and you're running an agency, you're going to eat last, right? You we, we eat profit and profit comes at the end of the deal. So usually that owner's comp comes from an infrastructure build, a cash reserve replenish, and then we have owner's comp. So we see it as a three-year cycle. You usually, you know, you're going to, we, we go infrastructure build, we heavy investment. We're pouring a lot of resources into hiring, recruiting and training uh, technology builds. I know you're working on that. We talked about HubSpot. We're doing a significant technology build right now. Um, we're doing urban young university, which is a high level online training program. We're doing a lot of that build. And it why takes do we a lot have of so much of the same shit going on, by the way. I love it, man. That's why we buy. That's <laughs> cool, man. But it just takes a lot of money and it's like, so you have to rank this. And then from a cash reserve standpoint, that's in direct. Con- All of these things are in direct contradiction to each other. So what it does is it forces us to pick one and it forces us to, we rank them one, two, three. And the three of us go around and we say, hey, this season, I think, hey, man, I'm burnt out. We've just done an infrastructure build for 14 months, 15 months. Like, you know, I just, you know, at this point, we've deferred comp for 36 months now on this. I- I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to have an owner's comp year, you know, and and so that comes up and we have a debate and we have a discussion and one of us says, Hey, you know, we'd, I'd love to do that too, but we need to, res- we need to have higher cash reserves. We're not really ready to do that because we don't have the right cash because we just went on this infrastructure build. And then somebody goes, yeah, you know what? You're right. Okay, cool. So, and then we rank them. Someone says, all right, well then it's going to be cash reserves, owner's comp, and then infrastructure's last, assuming we just went on an infrastructure, but we rank them. And once we rank them, then it gives us a lens it gives us clarity, kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It gives us clarity to say, okay, what's the objective for this year? The objective for this year is that first one that we put down on paper. And it allows us to have a filter to make sure that whatever objectives we put on a strategic plan, they're in alignment with what we said is the priority. Yep. Because the challenge is you might one partner you know, they may be on a different page as the other partners. So collectively, we have to have a discussion. We have to have a debate. We have to take, because look, let's face it, you know, one partner may be going through a financial situation. The other partner's not. Yeah. The other partner might be totally fine at home and the other partner might be going through a divorce. I mean, there's just life happens, man. Like doesn't mean we're never on the same page. We all have different things going on at home and with our lives, but we have to at least collectively come to an agreement on what we're going to focus on. It's our time to air it out. There's been times when, when one of us has looked at each other and said, Hey guys, man, I'm, I just can't defer this anymore, man. I really, we need to see a win. We need to see a win this year. And I know I've been in a situation where I'm trying to push and I want to push and I want to build infrastructure. And, I, and I, I've had to swallow my ego for a second and say, you know, and, and by the way, it's been both ways. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I remember being like, man, I'm excited for the year to push hard. And I've had to go, no, like, okay, this is not good. I, we can't do that. And I've had to collectively say, no, we're going to do this instead. And then we built a whole plan based around that. Um, and there's been other situations where I've said, hey guys, you know, and vice versa. But I think that's a that we're teaching that to all of our operators right now. And I think it's enormously important, especially if you're by yourself, because if you don't rank those three things, you 
you're going to be a ship without a rudder. Yeah. You're, you're going to go, there's going to be an opportunity that comes up. That's an infrastructure build. And you don't want to say no to it because it's a good opportunity. But if you know that infrastructure build is in direct contradiction with what you said was your number one priority, which is building cash reserves, you're going to go take the opportunity. 100%. And you're going to negate what it was that you started off with the intention of. Because strategic plan is great, but two months down the road, you're going to forget about it. Three months yeah. down the road, you're going to forget about it. And the, the next opportunity is the best opportunity, right? Always is, yeah. It always is. And so it, it's forced us to come back and say, hey, what's the year? Is it the year of no? Is it the year of yes? What is the mission here? And is it in alignment? And that has helped a lot because as you know, there's a lot of noise and a lot of shit that comes across your desk every day. And if you don't have a, a lighthouse, you know, to run to, it makes it very difficult to make the right decisions. Oh, I, it frees you up in my mind because you have the ability then to say no to yourself and, and to hold yourself accountable, which is huge. And one of the, I want to put a pin in one thing there too, that we've realized over the last two to three years, when you prioritize those and you determine what's your most important thing, whether, whether or not you're doing it like, like you have, which I like a system that you're going to repeat over time because you're going to get better at it. But let's just say you, you identify that this one thing is the biggest thing we need to go accomplish right now. That should go up here. Everything else is way down here at step five, (laughs) you know, like, Focus on that one. I guarantee if you did nothing else in your business, there's one thing that if you spent the next year doing, and if you checked that off the list, you'd look back and go, man, that's success this year. I can almost guarantee there's one thing. Now, it's usually not the spot you want to look in your business because it maybe isn't the sexiest part or because it's infrastructure build, right? Like some of us nerd out over that, but that's not always the 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 fun, sexy stuff, right? Uh, I, I can specifically equate when we just, this hit us in the face, we had a personnel issue that, you know, we knew for the next phase of our company, just we had a person that wasn't going to get us there. Not a bad person, but but we had to eventually, we were going to have to make that decision, right? Well, we spent and just said like, this is what we're going to have to figure out over the next 90 to, to 120 to 180 days, whatever it is. And we did that. We got the right person in place. Everything went well, better than we thought. And now we're off to the races in that area of the company. That's awesome. Um, But I I can almost guarantee that. But it's very, very, very difficult to do because we all have 10 things we want to accomplish, right? But if you – I'm the worst at it. Uh, Shiny objects and squirrel. Uh, But – you know, but it, what you're saying, though, for people like me who really want to do everything all at once, that uh, process that you're you're discussing holds me accountable to saying, no, we identified that this is what we were going to go do. There's a time yes. to do the rest of it. Right. Yeah. It's just not right now because we have to get this done. So don't even I put the blinders on you. Don't so even look hard at that. to it's so <sighs> hard. And if you're listening to this, like if it doesn't just eat your guts inside like then you just don't care i just like it's totally normal it is the hardest thing ever because there's just stuff that pops up it's so hard it's so difficult there's so much more courage in not doing something because it doesn't align with your strategic plan that year and the fear of the fear of if i don't do this i'm going to lose out on it forever ever how about an acquisition 
acquisition falls in your lap. You're not an infrastructure build. Acquisition comes along. It's the perfect acquisition. It's like, boom, here it is. And you're like, oh gosh, this one hurts, right? These don't come along a lot, yep. you know? And the answer is the question you'd have to ask yourself is, okay, then the next question comes, okay, so if this is not in alignment with what we said was most important, what do we have to give up Yes, in order to do that? And usually the answer is, you know, it could be comp. And the answer is like, well, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to rob the area, other areas of the business because we want to take this opportunity. If we're willing to reach up in our pockets and do it in an addition to what we're talking about, then we can entertain it. But if we're not, we're not taking it from the other strategic plan, the other strategic objectives that we set. That's just not happening. Yep. And that's a really good filter because it's like, ah, damn, okay, well, then we're going to have to let this one pass over. Yep. You know? Well, and it's always in that mode. This is never gonna. We're never gonna get this opportunity again, you know. And all those things cross your mind, but you just have to realize that. And I'm a big believer in those opportunities come up, and they seem like they're one-offs because we're not out hunting for them at that point. Sure. But once then you're in that build mode, so now you're in infrastructure mode. And you say, "I want to make two acquisitions this year," and you put all your energy and focus on finding two acquisitions in a given year you're going to come across a lot of acquisition opportunities because that's sure. that's where you're putting your focus. But again, a lot of times it's like, well, it'd be nice if we could find an acquisition this year. And then, you know, you're not, you're, you're half-assed looking for it uh, and you don't find any because you're not really focused on that. And so I think those two things can be in competition uh, in your mind. But again, I think it goes back to this, just frees you up to be accountable to yourself to say yeah. what, is important this year. But maybe let's, I'd love to get your perspective on this. What happens if shit does change throughout the year, right? And I know you mentioned like you got to, you have to adjust priorities just now, but dive into that a little bit further. Cause like, I'd be really curious because stuff does change. Right. And I know yep. a lot of people will tell me like, and I run into this too, in my own mind, like, well, how can I plan for the whole year? Like we're going to yep. be different. Things are going to change different. Like what happens if this comes up and like, you know, something major yep. changes. So how do you deal with that when you've got this strategic plan and stuff does change? So, I mean, that's a great question. Cause I mean, it does, it does, yeah. but I think the detriment and the challenge and the one thing I would avoid, I guess I would answer that is to, to here's what, here's what I would avoid through my own personal experience is don't let it change without intentionally changing it. Yeah. If you want to get in a room, and have a discussion, a high-level discussion, and mark out those things and change it, that is very different than allowing yourself or your team to make decisions that are not in alignment and justify it. Yes. Because now you're not aware. Now you're not bringing awareness to where, what game you're in. You're, you're lying to yourself. You're, you're, because what ends up happening is you're going to solve one problem and create another. <laughs> as long as you know that you're solving this problem and you're creating this one, you won't be pissed off that you're left with this problem. <laughs> but if you solve this problem and you create this one, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, we've got this huge problem over here. You just, you're just making it so much harder on yourself, right? Like this happened to us a couple of years ago. We did a big infrastructure build. Uh, we hired significantly. We opened another office. And then we were like, okay, we're done. We're done. Let's build cash. And an opportunity came up that was just too good for us to 
pass on. And we decided it was the right timing. But we debated it for a couple days. Like we had long conversations over and over and over and over and debates and conversations and what ifs and hey, are we willing to this? And this is what this means. And is this really where we want to go? And like, are we willing to commit to this? Because this isn't a month thing. This is like a for the rest of the year thing. And all of us made a decision that we were willing to compromise and give up uh, personal income in order to shift the focus from cash reserves back to infrastructure. So it was the only year that we did infrastructure and then we did infrastructure again. We went infrastructure, infrastructure. And we said, okay, well, this is a dangerous game we're playing because if you, you, we have to realize that, you know, the yo-yo goes down and it comes up. So like, we can't just do this every single year. We just need to know what game we're in and make sure we get back to equilibrium as quickly as possible. So we made an exit. We said, okay, then here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to infrastructure, which so we changed it. But after this hell or high water, we're coming back to this way. And so for us, it was just being intentional, changing the game, but knowing you're changing the game, knowing that you're going to create a problem, which is you're going to stretch it, you're going to stretch it, and you know you're stretching it, and then knowing where is the finish line. Yeah. Because otherwise you just get caught in this cycle of of you don't, you know, you don't know if you're in the beginning, the middle, or close to the end, right? And and then you stay there too long and you have a critical problem. So I don't know if that answers your question, but no, I think it's it's okay to change your mind. I think you're, you, there's going to become times situations that that, that happens. I think it's the um, outlier. I don't think it's the norm because I think discipline works longer term more than what mm. type of opportunities come along your way. But if you're going to change tracks, I think it should be an intentional decision. It shouldn't just be, well, we're going to pretend that we're still in this game, but this decision is just extra, you know? Yeah. It, we're going to do both because you're just usually not able to do both because because again, those things are in contract; they're contradicting each other, um, and so I'm okay with stretching it as long as I know that I'm stretching it. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. And I'm okay with passing on opportunities as long as I know that I'm passing on opportunities. But when I think I'm in the game of passing on opportunities, or one or the other, and I and I start making decisions that are not in alignment with that what i have found is that creates some significant pain later on and you won't do it you'll only do it a couple times because these are mm. things that you can't just fix right away that you take months even yeah. sometimes years to to get back to equilibrium so i just think the awareness is probably the biggest one there yeah i agree with that wholeheartedly and you got to play the conditions on the field but it's easy to convince yourself that the conditions have changed when really you're just getting a little weather you know, or whatever. And, uh, and so make sure I, I love how you put that. So make sure you're, you're putting the right amount of time and energy into discussing and, and beating up that decision make sure that you're aware of all the consequences and then, yeah, yeah. make your decision, make the best decision for where you want to get to. Uh, also make sure that if you're going to pivot, it, it, it furthers your, uh, or, or increases the speed at which you can get to that ultimate goal. That's where that ultimate point. goal and keeping in alignment with that does make those decisions when you got to pivot better as well. So that's great. Yeah. Run your own race. And I, I think knowing that it's cyclical and that it's your cycle, it's not the market cycles, not yeah. soft market, hard market. Like you have your own cycle inside of your business, your organism, your living creature that you're building has its own cycles. And just like a, just like a, a bad economy. If 
if it stays hypertensioned for too long, it's going to come way back the other way. Like there needs to be this rhythm yeah. of, your, of your life and of your business. Like in your health, there's a rhythm in your marriage. There's a rhythm in your business. There's a rhythm. If you understand that there's a rhythm and you can at least acknowledge that if you're aware enough to know where you sit, I just think you have a better chance of sustainability. You know, if you don't, it'll break. Yeah. You know, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, man, this is a uh, fun as usual. I, this is a great one. I think everybody's going to get a lot out of it. And uh, it fun. yeah, always a blast to see you, man. We always you have too, some man. fun on here, right? You too, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to, even before we turn the camera on, it was great. You had to yeah. to turn it on. It's great. Yeah. So whoever's editing this, maybe we'll add in like another half episode <laughs> or something. Cause we yeah, are just... <laughs> so, awesome. all right, man, I appreciate it. Uh, stay good. And uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Talk to you See soon. ya. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Past the Premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time, have a great day. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.